Hello, and welcome back to Down the Middle, a political podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Justin Siegel. I'm Rob Leifer. And welcome back. Episode two, we made it. Episode two, we are officially a pod. We are now a podcast because anyone can have an episode one. It's true. And if this is your second week listening to this pod, you, the listener, are officially a friend of the pod. Welcome, friends of the pod. So we should dive right in. Yeah, yeah, totally. Let's let's not waste any more time. Uh, I was I was actually listening to our first pod, and I thought about how we were discussing the shift that happened in both the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, the shift to the far right and the shift to the far left. And I started thinking about you had sort of uh, pinpointed the Tea Party as being when you really noticed that happening. And I wanted to bring up this guy you may have heard of named Rush Limbaugh. Have you heard of him? I might have heard his name once or twice. Yes. So, you know, why is Rush important? Well, you know, Rush is probably the most influential political commentator in American history. The guy has 30 million listeners every single day, you know, every for every show. He has been a compass for Republicans coming up, conservatives coming up, a lot of a lot of the younger people in Congress right now grew up listening to Rush. And actually a lot of their values derive from him and love him or hate him. He is sort of considered the godfather of conservative talk radio. And he is very influential to a lot of people who actually become lawmakers and they listen to him. And he's considered the most widely listened to Republican politicians uh, in Congress. And they get a lot of ideas from him. Somewhere in the early 90s, he founded an institute called the, uh, the Institute of Advanced Conservative Studies. And it wasn't really like an accredited college. It was more of like a rite of passage for you know, young Republicans and conservatives who were interested in getting into politics. It was sort of like uh, you get it's like a four week course and then you get a certificate. So it's not like an accredited thing, but it's like, you know, it was a Rush Limbaugh advanced course in conservative studies where they went over from what I've heard, basic tenets of, of conservatism, limited government, free markets, and of course, religious morality. Okay. That sounds like fun. Sounds like I would enjoy it. Yes. Yes. You know, then during the Obama administration, after Mitt Romney lost, which I think was a huge blow to the Republican Party, and they started realizing they had to change some of the messaging around uh, you know, what they were saying, because I think they were realizing they were not going to win elections again if they didn't make some kind of adjustment. Rush Limbaugh changed the name of the Institute from the Institute of Advanced Conservative Studies to the Institute of Advanced Anti-Leftist Studies. And that was a very overt and very deliberate move on his part. And I think he was sending a message to the Republican Party. And that message was the brand that we're, that we're sending out is not working. And we have to adjust that brand. In terms of religious morality and all of that family value shtick that has been a part of the Republican platform for you know 100 years, we're at the apex right now of Americans that affiliate with no religion at all. The last statistic I saw was 35% of Americans consider themselves completely unaffiliated with a religion. For a lot of Americans, you know, in middle America that maybe don't go to church every weekend anymore, 
that language does not necessarily resonate with them. In terms of economics, a lot has changed as well. You know, the small business owners of the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s, they were free market capitalists. That was something that was very important to them. But as the economy has shifted and bigger corporations have sort of put a lot of the little guys out of business and a lot of those people in middle America are now working for these big corporations, again, the language of free markets and capitalism and uh, limited government don't resonate the way they used to. They don't really care about that stuff. But with that said, they do know that there has been a shift in American cultural values that they don't like. And sometimes they can't even really sense it is, is my assumption. I think it's sort of like they send their kids to school and, and their kids come home now and they find out they don't even recite the Pledge of Allegiance anymore because it's offensive to some people. Uh, you know, my kids do go to a school where they say the Pledge of Allegiance, but I know here in Los Angeles, there are many schools in many areas where they don't do that because it's offensive to some people. It's not just in great schools. You can't get away from it in universities. I would make the clarification that it's not liberalism. It's the rise of leftism. It's progressivism is what it is. Yeah, it is. It is totally. It's beyond policy. You know, you're an older gentleman, in middle America. You turned on your TV once and it was John Wayne. And now it's everybody loves Raymond. You know, those fringe cultures or what used to be considered fringe cultures are now celebrated by Hollywood and celebrated by the entertainment industry. And we are so locked into our computers and, and social media and TV. And there's thousands of channels now. And entertainment is such a big thing that I think a lot of people are just getting this general sense that their country is changing. That was my point last week in talking about the rise of progressivism being cool. It's what you're talking about. That's the consensus. That's what grabs people is that entertainment equivalent of whoever the spokesperson is of the moment talking about social justice, talking about these issues that are considered socially cool to adopt. And it's almost always progressive. And that's that's the problem. And I think when you see the older generations who are looking at their kids adopt those, even though they may not even research them and not even know what they mean, they're just regurgitating what they hear. That's their cause for concern. Right. And and there is a sense from the so-called flyover states. They feel it more than any of the other big cities in the country um, because they sort of feel like their values are being ignored. They're not represented. You want to talk about Fox News, but unless you're a Fox News fan, which in my opinion tends to go too far, but that's all they have. Every other media source that is widely known is biased on the other side. I don't agree with that. I don't believe in liberal bias, but that would be a good discussion for us to to have. Um, I don't believe in liberal bias in the media. I think it's actually a, a, an incredible scam, and maybe I could convince you otherwise. I do think that there is sort of just a general sense in this country that things have changed, and even what people are allowed to say and not allowed to say anymore. You know, pe someone will say something now, and you know, a ton of people are offended by it. And so I think there's a, there's a great amount of confusion, especially among young people, about how they're supposed to act in front of women, what they can and can't say. If they say the wrong thing, are they going to be attacked? If they say the wrong thing, God forbid, on social media, is that going to come back to haunt them 10 years from now? Well, you're also seeing a division at the dinner table. I mean, look what happens every single year, Thanksgiving. There are a thousand uh, conversations around how am I going to deal with my parents' antiquated values, which is essentially just them saying what I believe versus what my parents believe. 
and we're going to have dissonance there. And so I, I don't feel comfortable going home for Thanksgiving because my parents are wrong. That's a whole thought process that's completely blown up from what it used to be as well. Uh, of course. Even if you look at Playboy magazine, they don't print nude pictures anymore. It's just a magazine now with no nude pictures of women. And I could sit here and make a very good argument for why objectifying women is a bad thing. You know, maybe we've evolved in a certain way, but I think there is a very large portion of this country that think, how did leftists f this up? But seriously, it's sort of like, we can't even do that anymore. That's controversial. So all of those things are a representation of air quotes, leftism. Enter Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the poster child for anti-leftism. He's unideological in terms of traditional conservative values. Everyone knows he's not a conservative. He's preaching those conservative values, which is what makes him attractive. No one's digging under the surface because they'll find that he's just going to say whatever people want to hear. But he's found an audience in these people and he preaches exactly those values. I think he will go out of his way to be anti-politically correct. He wants to be that person that is sort of the last of the 50s guys, you know, the alpha males. I also think it's inherent in his personality. If you go back and you watch his television show, this is the guy. And I think that if, if anyone is surprised by the president that he is, they just didn't do their research because it's all there. I've read the books, his negotiation style that he's using as an international leader is in his book. His presidential style of exactly what you just outlined is in his TV shows. It's in his interviews. He loves getting a rise out of people and he'll go to extreme lengths to do it. It's why he loves Twitter. It's why he loves pushing the media. He doesn't need to do those things, but he actually enjoys doing it. Now, I don't believe that that's right for a president to do, but he is him and he's always been him for the entirety of his career. For better or worse, yes. For worse as a president. For better as a person in the entertainment industry who's fun to watch and interesting to watch. Love him on a television show. That's why The Apprentice did so well. Getting back to the Rush Limbaugh thing, and the reason I wanted to bring that in was Rush sort of understood that the Republican Party, if they were going to win elections again, they had to go from a party that had a message that had very specific values um, and being pro those values to a Republican Party that was anti other values. So in other words, they went from being a messaging party to an anti-messaging party. Part of the reason for this podcast is that's the Republican Party that I fell in love with. They went from being a closer to the center, let's try and get the moderate Democrats as well as the moderate Republicans and hardcore Republicans to let's focus solely on our base because we're losing votes in those other categories. So we're going to pivot and we're going to go hard towards our base. And those are our people. There was a decision made somewhere there. Definitely. And what I'm saying is that that base, they are less and less ideologically conservative. They are more anti-leftist. They just don't like the culture shift that has happened in America. I don't either. I'm definitely anti-progressivism. I'm anti-socialism. I, I do not think that those are American valued systems. And I think that our culture is being pulled in a direction that is on a negative slope and we, can't, we won't be able to get back from if we get to a certain point. Uh, those are all things that I agree with. Yeah. And, and even taking socialism and economic policy out of it, I'm talking even more specifically about just the way culture has evolved in this country and the emphasis on Hollywood and culture and music and everything that we surround ourselves 
with that has nothing to do with actual political policy or, or lawmaking. It has to do with how one perceives what is going on in the American culture and they, there's a shift that just doesn't sit right with a lot of people. My question is this, whenever this topic gets brought up, is this really that new? Because didn't they think that the Beatles were the devil? And I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm almost positive that the social media and cell phone use and all that is going to have an impact on not just our brain, but our posture and all kinds of related issues. But maybe not to the degree we think it is. And maybe it's the same thing as rock and roll music back then. It seems to me that there was always something to demonize in that way in culture. Now, I'm a proponent of our culture's going to hell in a handbasket. I believe that, but I want to check myself and at least ask the question, is this something that's happened in every previous generation and are we just repeating that cycle? Right. You know, as I mentioned last week, I call myself a liberal against leftism, which liberalism is more about the policies and the traditional sort of classical liberalism, which by the way, uh, modern day Republicans used to be called ca classical liberals. Leftism is more of an attitude. And it's that attitude that I am against. I remember, you know, remember when we went to the Guns N' Roses concert at, what was that, the Forum? We were in the stands and we were looking down and everyone was just standing there. I remember I turned to you, I was like, this is not like the way you used to see Guns N' Roses concerts on TV. And you were like, yeah, because nothing's dangerous anymore. That is leftism. A lot of times it's not even something very specific. It is just a generalized sort of feeling that, things have become so safe and so PC, there's nothing dangerous anymore. You can't say anything dangerous. You can't do anything dangerous because somebody is going to be watching you. Someone's going to take a picture of you. It's going to come back to haunt you. And therefore, entertainment sort of has shifted. But don't you think it's interesting that it's been politicized? It's associated with being a Democrat. The danger back in the day was not associated with a political party. That was just culture. And now it's so segmented and divided and polarized that social actions are given political categorization. On that end, if Donald Trump is the poster child for anti-leftism, AOC is the poster child for leftism. Absolutely. So what the Republicans, I think, have done, if, if, you, if you watch what they're messaging, they want to paint all Democrats as AOC. Because it enables them to then stand there. And instead of having to have a message of their own personal values, they could kind of stand there and just point at the other side and say, look at how freaking crazy these people are. Vote for us. So in other words, it's not about this is our message, vote for us. It's about this is what our message isn't, vote for us. And I think actually... On that note, there is a, a lot of Republicans who are very frustrated with Donald Trump because he doesn't have to be doing all of the messaging that he's doing. He could just shut the hell up and point at the other side and say, I know you don't like me, but look at these crazy people. Look at Nancy Pelosi. Look at how crazy they are. But he doesn't do that because he's so crazy in and of himself. Now what you have is actually Joe Biden who is doing that. Joe Biden is keeping his mouth shut and sort of pointing at Trump and saying, look at how crazy this guy is. So both sides are, are crazy. That's the truth. They both become crazy. The crux of this conversation is that we are in this environment where messaging doesn't matter as much as anti-messaging. What your values are don't matter as much as 
what the other guy's values are that we hate. You have to have a platform to stand on before you start saying that person's crazy because you're saying that person's crazy because they don't agree with what you think. There's an implied value system, which is the opposite of who you're pointing at. It is easier to be the opposition party than it is to be the party that's actually making the decisions. That's historical. Yes. I think both parties are trying to sort of take advantage of the fact that their bases absolutely despise the other side. And it's much easier to say, this is why we hate the other side than this is what we stand for. Well, now you're talking about campaigning versus governing, because there's a marked difference between the two. And you're talking about Donald Trump. He's probably the most cognizant president of his reelection than any prior to him. You're seeing his running for reelection inherent in his crisis decisions. It's in everything he does. I like to call Trump a uh, narcissistic nihilist because nihilism is the idea that you don't believe in anything. And narcissism, we all know what that is. Um, but he's certainly not a conservative, as we touched upon last week. It's always just about what is good for him. So he will shift and change his ideology and what he will say based on what he thinks his base needs to hear. He's very good at reading the tea leaves. That's like sort of, I think that's probably his big talent. This is what he does and he does it really well. But what is the difference between him playing to his base with his decisions and his rhetoric and something like the the $3 trillion coronavirus package that just got introduced that there's no way that that bill is going to pass the Senate. I agree. Let's talk about COVID a little bit. COVID, I don't even know where to start. Every single time I watched a Trump press conference, I was more terrified than the day before. And I'm glad that some of these things he tried to walk out, he got obviously got pushed back and reversed his decision, whether that was the, you know, the state's rights to reopen the Easter deadline. Both of these things he was testing and obviously got whatever internal feedback was provided to him and he walked these things back. But those were both very, very dangerous statements that he tried to impose on the country. And the fact that he is testing this language is scary in the middle of a crisis. There's a lot of Republican commentators that I listen to who always use this expression, two things could be true at once. Um, and I like to use that too, because I like to sort of steal some of their expressions and say, oh, could we, we could work that from both sides of the aisle here. But two things could be true at once. Number one, China is an evil communist regime. This came from China. They covered it up. They jailed their uh, journalists who were trying to talk or killed. We don't know. Uh, there's a lot of things we don't know. We don't know exactly where it came from. There's still speculation that it might have come from a lab. I, I very, very highly doubt that it was let out on purpose. I think that would be ridiculous considering how many people in their own country died and how bad that looks for them. So that's true thing number one. China's bad. And why is China bad? Because communism is an inherently evil ideology. And going back to the leftism thing, if you are trying to defend China, you're a dumb leftist. Okay, there's nothing to defend about China. They have numerous civil rights infractions. They jail over a million Muslims they have in work camps. Anything, if you call yourself a liberal, everything that you stand for, you know, China violates. 
That is leftism right there. I'll keep bringing that back and throwing up a red flag when we, we come across a topic that, that is overtly leftist. I'm going to keep calling it progressivism, but you keep calling it leftism. That's cool. That's cool. I think progressivism is a much more positive word, but you know, we could keep going down that road. Two things could be, could be true at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So two things can be true at once. China sucks. True thing number two. Trump, the Trump administration completely botched this. They dropped the ball from the beginning. I don't care what anyone says and what, you know, I see all these right-wingers now trying to defend the response. Oh, oh, but Nancy Pelosi was telling people to come to Chinatown. Bill de Blasio in New York was telling people it's not a big deal. Yeah, they're not president. No comparison you can make is going to make me feel like President Trump didn't drop the ball here. He downplayed it. He was at rallies calling it a hoax. Now, a lot of people have said, well, he wasn't calling the virus a hoax. He was calling the Democrat and the media response to it a hoax. He thought it was a hoax. He wanted it to be a hoax. He has a political incentive for it to be a hoax. And to this day, he is winking and nodding at the people who think it's a hoax. I'll tell you what, we'll play some clips. Now the Democrats are politicizing the coronavirus. You know that, right? Coronavirus. They're politicizing it. We did one of the great jobs. You say, how's President Trump doing? They go, oh, not good, not good. They have no clue. They don't have any clue. They can't even count their votes in Iowa. They can't even count. No, they can't. And this is their new hoax. He thinks it's a hoax. You know, he's doing this thing now where he wants it both ways after completely botching this thing and making the whole problem worse. And it could have been stopped in February when they did nothing. I don't care what Dan Crenshaw says. He completely dropped the ball. They did nothing. They could have stopped it. And now he wants it both ways. He wants to secretly listen to his health experts because he knows deep down in his heart that that's probably the right thing to do so more people don't die. I'm going to stop you there because I'm not even sure that's true. I just think he knows if people die, the economy suffers. If the economy suffers, he doesn't get reelected. I think that he is not even following any kind of moral compass. I think the man just wants to get reelected. I agree with that. But I think also he, he does have an innate understanding that for every single death, he is going to get blamed for that. So... If you look at the federal guidelines, federal, meaning the guidelines that came from the executive branch, from his administration, the guidelines are actually very strict for reopening the country. Those are the guidelines that went down to every single state. And it, it basically said, this is what we recommend. You do, you, you, these are the requirements before you open up your state again. Based on the CDC. Exactly. And, and the CDC is a government agency. The government is run by Donald Trump. Okay. All the right wingers want to, make this weird separation between Trump and the rest of the government. He is the head of the government. We cannot forget that. So all those guidelines came down and not a single state has met those guidelines. But yet Trump will get up and say, we got to open up our country. You know, vaccine or not, we're opening up. That is his way of not having to take responsibility for anything. Because if more people die in New York, he could then say, well, I told them it was too early to open up. They should have followed the federal guidelines. You saw him do this at his press conferences when he would say something that pushed the envelope and then he would point to the sign or the television with exactly what those guidelines were and he would keep repeating them. It's exactly what you're saying. He would sort of speak out of both sides of his mouth because on one hand, he was signaling to the market and the economy. And on the other hand, he's signaling to the public to stay safe because he knows he can't get reelected if people die and he can't get reelected without the economy. Yeah. So much of Trumpism 
is about, I like to, uh, is an expression I use a lot called winking and nodding. So much of Trumpism is about, I'm saying this, but you know I really mean this. And that's why he uses these very vague terms. That's why there's so many sort of conspiracy theories surrounding Trump and the idea that he knows what the real deal is. He doesn't really believe in this virus. And there's a lot of people who who really are thinking that. And he has to get up there and make a show for all the deep state. But in his heart, he doesn't believe any of this. I think he actually does have a very strong understanding of that dynamic out in the country. And that he has to just be very subtle with his words and say, we're doing everything we can. And Here's Dr. Fauci, who's going to tell you this and this. Oh, and by the way, we got to open up the country. And that's his dog whistle. That's his way of saying, I don't believe any of it. He's sold so many people. He sold his base on the fact that this isn't as a big deal as the media is making it out to be. He sold people on fake news. He sold people on deep state. He sold people on these various conspiracy theories because he's messaging the way that he is that half the country doesn't believe that this is real. Right. That is actually a good segue into the media dilemma. I'd like to say my piece about what I think about air quotes again, liberal bias in the media, because I have a very strong opinion on it. And maybe you disagree. This is down the middle. So maybe we could end this podcast thinking, oh, well, okay, I kind of get that. I read this book recently by this guy named Dan Pfeiffer, who was Obama's uh, press secretary for a short time. Uh, He was on the Obama in the Obama administration. And the book is called Yes, We Still Can. I know there's people out there cringing right now. It is what it is. There's a whole chapter in the book where he talks about press briefings. And Obama actually gave more press briefings than any president in American history. I mean, he was out there all the time. He talks about in the book that Obama would go back behind the press room and for two or three hours before the meeting, they would do this thing commonly called preparing. I'm doing air quotes again. And even with all that preparation, he would still go out there and mess it up sometimes. You always hear the Sean Hannity's the world, the Fox News, Twitter verse, talk about how the media loved Obama. They just gave him a pass on everything. The media eviscerated Obama for the, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor statement. They talked about it all the time. This idea that they just loved Obama and always gave him a pass is complete BS. The difference is Obama had the right answers most of the time. And what we forget is that the media is charged with one thing, and that is to hold people in power accountable. That is what they're supposed to do. So they're doing their job by doing that. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, you have Trump. Trump, by his own admission and by his administration's own admission, doesn't prepare. Everything's off the cuff. And a lot of people love that about Trump. You'll hear Trumpers say all the time, what do I love about Trump? He's not a politician. He's not scripted. He's off the cuff. He says things that are just on his mind. Like that's a good quality for some people. Obama was so scripted. He was teleprompter Obama. Trump just goes out there and speaks. But the problem with that technique is that you're going to say a lot of falsehoods. And the media, which again is tasked with holding people in power accountable, will then call him on it. And his defense is universally, every single time, it's fake news. The media has a bias against me. He has said it so many times. 
that it has started to become part of the Republican ethos, that the media is inherently leftist, that they just don't like Donald Trump, rather than the media is doing their job by holding people in power accountable. And Donald Trump says a lot of that is just plain false. Now, with that said, I am not going to sit here and try to convince anyone that Anderson Cooper isn't a liberal, okay? Yes, we know this because the number one determining factor of whether somebody is going to be a Republican or a Democrat is college education. 80% of people with bachelor's degrees vote Democrat. The media aren't just highly educated. Most of them went to Ivy League schools, which probably makes them even more liberal, okay? So in their personal lives, they are probably liberals. Yes, Anderson Cooper is a liberal. Yes, most of the anchors on you see on TV are probably liberals. However, the idea that that means they can't be fair and impartial and do their job is utterly preposterous to me. They have a job to do. They're professionals. I think most of the time they do try to be objective. The problem is that Donald Trump, he has made it such a contest that now there is an actual vendetta against him. It doesn't mean that that the media is liberally biased. It just means that they don't like him and they shouldn't like him because he's made their lives hard. But I don't think that that attitude necessarily gets injected into their everyday reporting. Yes, there are opinion columnists, opinion journalists. Don Lemon on CNN is an opinion person. Sean Hannity is an opinion person. But the ones that work for the networks and are, are, are charged with just reporting the news, I absolutely challenge the idea that they are inherently liberally biased. Give me your take. I agree with some of what you said, and I disagree with a lot of what you said. I think that it is a, a very idealized version of the news that you're speaking of. The news is supposed to report on current events down the middle in a neutral fashion. I don't think that that happens now. The polarization of politics and the current state of affairs has disallowed that to happen. You're correct in saying the newscasters are all Democrats. The newscasters are generally on either coast and they're all, yes, Ivy League or university educated and there is a liberal bias coming out of these institutions. You can't argue any of that. And this has been happening since the 60s. Yeah, and I'm not arguing that. I think what you're saying is that you believe they inject their own personal opinions and biases in their reporting more than I think they do. I was getting there. And I do think they have input into these stories. I think they have input into how they frame these stories. And the truth of the matter is, is whether you think Donald Trump is an idiot, and I do, I think he sounds moronic, but you don't need to report it that way. You can let the clips speak for themselves and you don't need to add to it. The way they tell these stories, it is biased. It does lead a viewer to one side and it could be far more neutral than it is. I also think that these people work for large corporations. These large corporations need ratings, they need advertisers, they need money, and that all goes into the writing, it all goes into the bias, it all goes into how they are presenting these current events because they will be out of jobs if they don't present them a certain way and they don't create some kind of air of dissonance or discord or something that's going to trump no pun intended, the ratings of another broadcasting network. 
the most watched <laughs> news network in the country is Fox News. By far, it's not even close. This goes back to what I perceive as the sort of right-wing victimhood mentality, this idea that everyone in the world is against us, that we are the true underdogs. Academia doesn't like us. Uh, the news media doesn't like us. Hollywood doesn't like us. And so we have no control of the culture. That undermines the actual facts, which is the fact that I've been alive 40 years. For 24 of those years, a Republican has run the country. So the majority of those years, a Repub the Republicans have had the Senate and the House for more time than the Democrats have over the course of my lifetime. The Republicans have controlled the judiciary for most of my lifetime, and now especially they control the judiciary. So all of this whining about the fact that Meryl Streep and Don Lemon doesn't, don't like us is belied by the fact that you guys control all the levers of power and have for the vast majority of our life. And, and this is what it is. It's about convincing your base that you are the victims so that you'll vote for us and keep us in power. What I will add to what I've said is that it happens on both sides. I do not like watching Fox News either. I don't like I don't like the fact that I need to watch two or more networks to get a full picture of something. I prefer the BBC, which is not even part of this country. My problem is not saying that the majority of the news networks lean to the left, which I do think that they do. My problem is is that those networks and the network or networks that lean to the right, none of them give a accurate picture of, of what's happening. And they don't even strive to anymore. They're just trying to outdo the other guy. And that is my problem. I get what you're saying. Number one, if you were to look at my Facebook feed, I am no fan of the media in general. I'm extremely critical of them. I think they've handled the Trump era in the completely wrong fashion. They treat everything like a sport. They make it all about, you know, all about winning and losing rather than actually reporting on the policies that that might have effect a, a serious effect on on American citizens' lives. They absolutely have a vendetta against Trump. I don't think they started it. But they could have taken the high road. They had the option of saying let this guy be who he is. We don't need to drop to that level. And instead, they said, well, we're going to fight him on his own terms. And the American people are who lose because we don't get the pertinent information. We get a boxing match. I always said that if I was the, the CEO of uh, CNN, I would say, let's just stop reporting on Donald Trump's tweets because that would stop the tweeting. The majority of things that he tweets they're just to rile people up, whether he's speaking to his base or he's talking to the media. Very rarely do they actually get enacted into policy. But let me ask you a question. Tell me honestly here what you believe, okay? For all the talk about the liberal media and the bias they inject and the fact that they're inherently leftist and that they hate Donald Trump and they hate Republicans and blah, blah, blah. Do you really believe that the big news networks, the CNNs, the ABCs, the NBCs, that are making record profits because of Donald Trump. I mean, if there's one thing Donald Trump has been right about, he says it all the time, I've saved the news media. He absolutely is correct. He has made it such a cottage industry. I mean, they're on 24-7 talking about Trump. Do you really believe that the executives at these networks don't like Donald Trump? All of that is to my point, that they are treating this like a boxing match, like a wrestling match because it is bringing them ratings. And therefore, I think they love the entertainment value that this guy brings. It's making them a ton of money. However, my point is to the news media, to those executives, be better. 
be better. Report the news. I don't want a wrestling match. I can go turn on the WWE network and get, you know, Hulk Hogan versus whoever, The Rock. I don't need I don't need to I just dated myself pretty heavily. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I don't want that from my news network. That is my problem and that is my point. I think that if you are going to hold yourself to a moral standard in terms of how you treat the news, which many claim to, especially at CNN, then abide by it. I will say in summation that my final opinion is that the news media is not liberally biased, but they do have a bias. And the bias is towards money, just like every other business in the country. Okay. They're trying to make money. And Donald Trump is very good for business. Maybe they elevate all the conflict. Well, that's the problem. It pushes them to a side and the side against Donald Trump is the left. And so that creates the bias. I'm saying that because a corporation needs money to survive and these advertisers needs ratings, that it pushes the conflict between the president and the media. And it forces the media to go further on the other side of Trump because that's what people love watching. And that happens to be the left. Right. Each side feels like the victim when they don't have the power. Well, we have now gone 52 minutes and we ended up talking more about ideology than we uh, anticipate. We didn't even get to a lot of current events, but that's what episode three is for. (laughs) Episode three, we're going to start getting into format. I know we said that on episode one, but we wanted to start talking a little bit more broadly about this stuff. We thought it would be interesting for you guys. We are going to get into format and I think the format, we're going to start this way and we'll see if it morphs. We're going to have broad topics like this. It'll be an ongoing series. We'll sort of pick a topic, whether that's the future of the Republican Party, whether that's media bias. We're going to talk about these big topics because they're important to you, the listener. They're important to America and they're important to discuss. We're going to have interviews with a lot of interesting people in politics, outside politics, in entertainment. Then we'll get into some current events. We'll have a couple topics, whether that's two or three, depending on what we have time for each week. And we'll go through those so that you guys are all connected to what's going on. And it's not just all about the broad subjects, but it's also specific to what's happening that week in our country. All right, guys, that wraps up our podcast for this week. Go to downthemiddlepodcast.com to find out more info and contact us. If you send us questions, we'll answer them on air. Follow us on social media at Down the Middle Podcast on Instagram, Down the Middle PC on Twitter, and Down the Middle Pod on Facebook. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at Justin Siegel, S-I-E-G-E-L. And Riz doesn't have social media, so you can't find him anywhere. That's about it. So follow the pod, follow Jay, and uh, we'll figure it out from there. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye, listeners. Stay safe.